This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. We're still in a pandemic, but thanks to vaccines and boosters, many people have gone back to living their lives, returning to the activities that we enjoyed before 2020, going to the gym, their favorite restaurant, the club. The speedy development of three existing vaccines in the U.S. made by Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson has allowed the country to control COVID-19 to an extent. But by now, many of us are conditioned to brace ourselves for the unknown, when it comes to the virus. Coronavirus variants like Delta and especially Omicron have taught us that hard lesson. Vaccines have been hugely helpful, but they have their weaknesses. They don't appear to provide us long-lasting protection against COVID infections. Today on Fifth Emission, reporter Catherine Ho joins me to talk about how scientists and researchers are trying to develop what's known as a pan-coronavirus vaccine. It would work against all coronaviruses and would be tailored to prevent infections from future variants. Catherine refers to it as the holy grail in her recent reporting. She's here to discuss what that would look like, when that may happen, and why creating an immunization program for COVID is a lot trickier than something like the flu vaccine. Catherine, thank you for joining me on Fifth Emission. Sure thing. So, Catherine, life is increasingly looking more like pre-pandemic days. People have resumed so many of their regular activities, thanks in big part to the efficacy of vaccines and boosters. Give us an update. Are they still holding up for us? Are they continuing to do their job of keeping us safe? Yes, there are a couple caveats to that. In terms of keeping us safe from you know, the worst outcomes, which is getting really, really sick, going to the hospital or dying. The vaccines, especially if you are boosted with that third shot, are doing really, really well at keeping us safe. They're not working as well if you aren't boosted. The one area that we've heard a lot about that they are falling off a bit in terms of effectiveness is preventing infection, like any kind of infection. Mm -hmm. Could be pretty minor, it could be asymptomatic. Um, and there's, you know, some debate about whether um, that's okay or not, because, you know, the main point of vaccines is to prevent the worst outcomes, not necessarily, you know, minor infections or all infections. Mm-hmm. And our understanding of COVID-19 continues to evolve. And when it comes to vaccines, the latest variant, Omicron, has really changed the way that scientists are thinking about how vaccines should work and what vaccine updates should look like. Tell me more about that. So Omicron was the first variant that um, the vaccines showed more waning efficacy for. What this variant showed us and kind of what made a lot of vaccine researchers around the world take a little bit more seriously is whether we need to develop vaccines to target other variants, future variants, or multiple variants, you know, vaccines that have broader coverage where, you know, as we continue with this pandemic and see more variants, um, those vaccines would better be able to protect us in the future and, and protect us for a long time. 
So Kat, it's been two years of pandemic, and it's probably worth a little recap here. Can you remind me, why do variants and virus mutations keep popping up? Is this just the nature of viruses in general, or is human behavior driving it? Yeah, well, viruses in general mutate over time, some more than others. This one actually does not mutate as quickly as some as some others do. But I think because the world is watching so closely, it seems like it's mutating a lot. It causes a lot of um, concern because we're paying so much more attention to it. As far as whether this is just virus acting on its own or whether human behavior contributes, I think it's a really interesting question because that gets to vaccine uptake. You know, if there are like wide Mm -hmm. swaths of the population that are unvaccinated, that gives the virus more places to land and infect and and potentially uh, spread further. That's actually true Mm -hmm. to some extent, even if you're vaccinated, right? Because we've learned over time that even if you're vaccinated, you can still get the virus and potentially pass it on. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the more people that are vaccinated, the less damage it causes. So I think... Mm -hmm you can kind of look at it as a combination of both. And nevertheless, what we're talking about here is that long-lasting protection from COVID-19 still eludes us. And tell me about how scientists are hoping to address this one day. You described in your reporting that they're looking for a holy grail. What would that look like? So ultimately, it would be a vaccine or vaccines that could cover all coronaviruses. So if you've heard the term, you know, pan-coronavirus vaccine or universal coronavirus vaccine, that's what we're talking about. Now that is a bit of a not realistic in the near term because this just covers mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds more coronaviruses that exist in animals like bats, uh, pangolins. It's a lot. It would be a lot to cover. Mm-hmm. The way scientists are looking at it going forward is there are kind of incremental steps that can be taken kind of leading up to that destination. The first step would be what we're already talking about, which is vaccines that are specific to SARS-CoV-2, but like covering multiple variants of SARS-CoV-2. So the vaccines we have right now are all based on the Wuhan strain or the ancestral strain. And so the idea of adapting those would be, okay, let's see if we can tweak the vaccine to also work for, say, the beta variant, alpha variant, Omicron variant. These are variants we already know about. And the concept there is if you can have a vaccine that works for a bunch of different relatives, you know, within a certain virus, even if you don't know what the future relatives will look like, you're kind of guessing that it will also cover whatever variants may come up in the future. Mm -hmm. And You mentioned that this is sort of a long-term process. It may not be available anytime soon. But how far along are we in this research to create this pan-coronavirus vaccine? Well, there's at least half a dozen academic labs and government scientists and some biotech companies that are working towards this. There are not many pan-coronavirus vaccines that are already in the advanced stage of human clinical trials. Right now, most of the work is being done in the multiple variant stage or multiple coronaviruses, but only looking at like two or three different coronaviruses. A lot of these researchers have been working on this since the start of the pandemic, but there's a lot of really, really interesting and compelling work going on um, that are moving the needle slowly towards that direction. We'll be right back. 
You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Catherine, before the break, we were discussing how scientists are trying to figure out how to create this holy grail of COVID vaccines, which would protect people from all future variants what would this vaccine technology look like? Are we talking about mRNA vaccines, which was already a scientific feat in itself? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways this is being looked at. mRNA is one of them. And the other one is looking at protein-based vaccines, which is the way a lot of our more traditional vaccines have been made. And with both of those approaches, the idea is to get proteins from different viruses and combine them into one vaccine so that when you get that shot, um, you know, your body recognizes to fight against, you know, for example, three different viruses, not just one. So for now, I'm guessing that we will hear more about booster shots to make sure that we, we stay protected from COVID. And each year, the flu vaccine, for example, is updated to protect against the latest strains. Could it be that simple for the FDA and vaccine manufacturers when it comes to COVID? Well, yes and no. The flu vaccine model, you know, to update it annually is really just the closest um, structure we have to kind of model this off of. There are a couple challenges to adapting that model to the COVID vaccine, which is, you know, the flu tends to be seasonal and pretty predictable year to year. And COVID-19 has not been predictable. You know, we've seen big surges in the summer as well as in the winter. So it's just a little bit harder to predict. The way the flu annual vaccine updates work is usually there's a strain of the flu that's picked in February or March. And that's just a best guess, you know, based on what what is known at that time. So then there's that kind of six, seven month period where the flu vaccine manufacturers that have time to kind of mass produce that. And, you know, this has been in place for decades and decades. Everyone kind of knows what to do and what to expect. That's not the case with COVID because the vaccines are still, in the grand scheme of things, pretty new. It's very interesting that, you know, those conversations and some of the structural planning is starting to take place. And I think, you know, over the summer and maybe fall of this year, we're going to start to see some of those details fill out. And it's going to become a little clearer what this maybe annual or biannual vaccination campaign is going to look like. You mentioned this at the beginning of our conversation. So we know that vaccines are protecting many people from serious illness, hospitalizations. But a lot of people now have the attitude of, if I get infected, I know I won't get very, very sick. I'll have a breakthrough infection. It'll be inconvenient, but that's okay. But what we're talking about here is preventing any infection from happening. Why is that still important? Is this about long COVID or something else? I would say a few things. I agree with you that I, I think a, a lot of people out there um, who are not immunocompromised and not 
you know, medically frail, have this, you know, well, if I get it, it'll be okay. I'll just stay home for a week and move on with my life. I think immunocompromised people do not have that luxury. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, um, is long COVID. Say you get a very minor mild infection now, will you have long long COVID later? Uh, We're still not sure about that question. So Mm -hmm. I think it would be prudent for people to, if they can avoid an infection, to avoid it, even though I think most people at this point know a lot of people around them, their friends and family who are vaccinated and later got a breakthrough and are probably doing just fine. Right, right. And the goal of a potential pan-coronavirus vaccine is really because scientists are anticipating this won't be the last pandemic. This won't be the last coronavirus epidemic that we'll see. So this is about getting ready for the future also, right? That's exactly right. So if you think about the last 20 years, there have been a few coronavirus epidemics already. There was the first SARS back in 2003, and then there was MERS in, I believe it was 2012, 2013 period, and then COVID-19 that started in 2019. The way one Vaccine researcher put it was that happens on average every eight years. And so the idea of having a pan coronavirus vaccine ready to go at that point is you wouldn't have to start from scratch in the middle of a, you know, public health emergency. You would have it on hand already and be able to contain that outbreak maybe in a region um, before it spreads worldwide. Catherine Ho is a healthcare reporter for The Chronicle. Her coverage of coronavirus vaccines and other stories about the COVID-19 pandemic is online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Thanks to Karen Creighton for editing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs> 